in the Scriptures today, we see this common theme, especially in the first and second reading, which the second reading refers to the first one. We see this sense of faith that Abraham has, right? Being the father of our faith. And many times when we think of faith, we really, I would say we really don't consider what it actually means, right? Many times when people try to offer advice during a difficult situation, uh, people may say, well, I'll pray about it or offer it up to the Lord. Those are good things. Uh, But many times there's an undertone of like, well, I'm going to give it to the Lord and I'm not going to think about it or worry about it. Um, Just hand it over. Basically kind of shoving it to the side instead of actually facing any kind of difficulty. And we can usually call that um, having faith. But that's not what the faith of Abraham is being looked at here and is being shared with us today. So I'm going to share a definition of faith that comes from the catechism that I think many people don't realize. It's found in the back in the glossary, and it refers to a few paragraphs throughout the catechism, but here's a a really good uh, definition of it, and it goes with these readings. Now, it's not a one sentence, so just bear with me. Faith, both a gift of God, that's one, it's a gift of God, and a human act by which the believer gives personal adherence to God who invites his response and freely assents to the whole truth that God has revealed. In this revelation of God, which the church proposes for our belief and which we profess in the creed, celebrate in the sacraments, live by right conduct that fulfills the twofold commandment of charity, you know, love uh, our neighbor and love one and love us, love ourselves and love our neighbors as ourselves. Um, as specified in the Ten Commandments, and respond to in our prayer of faith. Faith is both a theological virtue given by God as grace, so again, it's mentioning a gift, and an obligation which flows from the first commandment of God. And so that is a lot to take in, but we tend to think of uh, faith as letting God take care of everything. But according to this definition, it's not just a gift, but it is also a human act. And that's the part we tend to forget. Is that God invites his response to the truth that God has revealed. And so faith requires not just a gift from the Lord, but our response to what he has revealed to us. And we see that in the first reading when God is offering Abram children, inheritance as countless as the stars in the sky. But he can't make sense of that 
But yet, that's what he wants dearly. Because for the Jewish people, two of the most important things in the world to them, besides God, is land and offspring. Because with offspring, you can pass on your land. Those are the two most important things during the time. He had one, but not the other. And so from Abram's perspective, not having a child means they were cursed somehow. That God must not really love them or poured out his blessing on them. So they must have thought, what have I done wrong? And so here we see Abraham receiving this great gift. This gift that he bears a child even after his wife is not without a child just because it couldn't happen, but it says in Scripture she was sterile. There's no possible way other than by an act of God. And so his faith is rewarded and then tested as we see in the second reading where Paul's letter to the Hebrews mentions Abraham's faith being put to the test by offering Isaac. Think about it. The one thing that he wanted most, later on he was called to offer up. Cannot imagine that journey up the mountain. But for many of us, that is how it can be in our family. We want something so dear. Family, children. And family is important. It is the building block of society, as the church says. It is necessary for life to continue. Without family, there is no church eventually without families because priests come from families. I came from a family. I was a handful, but I came from one. And so it is necessary. And when we think about faith, it takes a lot of faith to be a parent not just the hope that everything will work out for the good, but in many of the actions and decisions that are taken throughout a parent's life for their children. That's difficult. So much responsibility. And many of you sitting there know better than I do. But what does the gospel give us in light of this? One, Mary and Joseph, their family was not perfect in a sense, just like none of our families are perfect. Right? The first news that they were going to be a family, what did Joseph do? Maybe I can divorce her quietly. Now, it took an angel of God to come and visit him to accept his responsibility.
And he didn't ask questions. He just did. He acted. And eventually they end up losing him for a few days. Right? I'm sure that can happen to families. Maybe not so much nowadays. Can't find the kid. Hold on, where is he? (laughs) But the one thing is that they were obedient in their responsibility as parents. Even when they weren't required to by the law. For example, there's a reason why it says when the days were completed for their purification. So women during that time, after giving birth, they're considered unclean for seven days. And so that is why it's on the eighth day that the child is presented in the temple. But Pope Benedict says that Mary was not unclean after giving birth to Jesus. So for her, she didn't have to wait seven days. But in her humility, she knew it was more about her. And so she adhered to the law. And in that adherence, in that obedience, the timing was everything. Because Simeon just so happened to arrive at the temple at the same time that they were arriving at the temple. And so if they would have shown up earlier, they wouldn't have crossed paths. And the scriptures would not have been fulfilled. And so in our own families, things that occur, children that come into the family, friends that one makes, acquaintances, It can all have an effect on one's life. The life of the parents, the life of the child. We don't know when a parent receives a new child. We don't know what's going to happen with the child. What kind of personality the child's going to have. What they're going to be like when they grow up. What their interests are, their hopes, their dreams. What they're going to want to do with their life. No idea. And so every parent, especially at the firstborn child, most of them usually have that moment where they're sitting in the hospital. And I've been there for such occasions where it's usually myself and the new father because at this point the mother is sleeping. And most of the time, there's always this sense of fear or dread. And they usually look over and say, Father, I really have no idea what I'm doing. And then I lean over and say, that's okay, nobody else does. And no one can predict what occurs within families, what happens, where they'll go. But one thing we can count on is that Jesus himself 
was in a family. Jesus himself grew up with a mother or a father. Now the scriptures don't share those stories with us. All it says is he grew up, became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. For Jesus, that part of his life was not important for our salvation, so it is not talked about. And there was another writer who I think put it well. I can't recall his name, sorry. But he says, wait, I think it was Pope Francis. He says that the authors of the scriptures leave it to us in our imagination to see what his childhood would be like. How he would treat his mother, his father. And in those meditations, I think we could come up with something that is very similar to our own life, to a certain extent. I mean, we can't imagine Jesus surfing the internet because that wouldn't have happened. But even moments of tragedy and moments that don't make sense, if he experienced them in his childhood, we would not know But that doesn't mean that he didn't suffer because we all know he did. And he did that for each one of us. He did that for our family. He did that for our parents, our mother, our father, brothers, sisters, cousins, aunts, uncles, and ourselves. And so this week, the gospel is really challenging us to look at our own families, our own life growing up, and to offer thanks for the good that has been passed on to us, for the good that maybe we are trying to pass on to others, maybe our own children, Well, your own children, not ours. I don't have any children. Your own children. But then even looking at the things that are not perfect and bringing them to the Lord to ask for healing because the year, a new year is coming. And with a new year, what is great about that is there are always new beginnings. There are always things that we can change that maybe we don't like about ourselves, don't like about maybe what was said within family gatherings. It's no accident that this celebration happens around this time of the year. Because for many of us, the family gatherings is fresh in our mind. But know that to enter into a relationship and to eventually start entering into a marriage, bringing children into the world, provide 
basically building a family all takes faith in the sense that the spouse that God has given you is a gift from the Lord, and that gift requires action each and every day. And one of the first actions within the family after marriage is to bring the child here, to present the child to the community, and that child receive baptism and welcomed into this larger family. And so let us keep those memories with us, the good ones more often, and the ones that need healing, to bring the Lord into those moments and to receive that healing that is necessary for forgiveness, but also for peace and joy to reign in our hearts.